listening to the Cock and Bull Podcast, where each week my older brother and I explore a shockingly unbelievable story from world history. There's people in it that are true. It's just falling apart, Nathan. It's falling apart. Now we're not even using the words. It's, you're, you're adding new parts to the permutation. It's a, we'll never get It's there. a train wreck. Uh, we're returning back to our roots. I am now yelling in a car, and Nathan's in a booth. It's almost like we've flipped roles. Various, and I'm going to have to be editing this one. So we have exactly flipped where we had uh, where we had started. Exactly. Nathan, in 1480, yeah. in what is now Baden-Württemberg. God, oh, back to the German, too. Back to back to the roots. And if you remember, Baden-Württemberg was mentioned in another episode. I believe it was Mesmer. I think he was born there. I think he was born oh, there. you're out of your goddamn mind if you think I'd remember that. Uh, Gotz von Berlichingen was born. You are just making up words now. I am not. Gotz, or... None of this is accurate. Or Gottfried, we might call him, um, was fortunate enough to be born wealthy. It's a, fort- well, it's a fortunate that thing. Seems, that's about 80%, that's about 80% of the job back then. Now, he got to grow up in a kick-ass castle. Uh, Jagstausen Castle, I believe. He had doctors. Ah, uh, sure. He had doctors. He was always well-fed. But there's one part of being born rich that they don't tell you about. Um... Which is, if you're not dying of the mud shits after a long day of farming, uh, you're dying in a hot tin suit of armor surrounded by a bunch of sword-wielding fancy lads. Sword-wielding fancy lads. Pretty much that's, what they are. Uh, that's a that's a new way for knights. That's a new, uh, that's the, yeah, okay, all right. So sure enough, when Gotts reached the ancient age of 16, uh, he pledged his sword to Frederick I. Now, that's not just a sword boy. That makes him an imperial knight. Which is a much bigger deal. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the old old knights in what Teutonic Germany they were they were a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. So he fought amongst the ranks of Maximilian the First, the Holy Roman Emperor. Oh, I was about to say, yeah, we got some Holy Roman Emperor. Yeah, yeah. And in just two years, he saw action in all of the following: Burgundy, Lorraine, uh, Brabant, and the Swabian War. Oh, the old Swabian War. You know, we all remember the Swabian War, and he was good, We too. all remember it. He was a really good soldier, and he knew it. But when you're a dandy boy, money is your lifeblood. Yeah. And if you're not making enough money, you steer that cash boat in a different direction. Yeah, and I don't know if being a foppish sword boy is exactly the uh, the lucrative career path that, that this asshole probably was looking for. It's not. But Gotts decided... Uh, that change would not be to get away from fighting, uh, but to put his talents to the highest bidder. So he became a mercenary. As you do. Guys, come on. Blackwater, we get it. Eric Prince, <laughs> it's not good enough to just do your job. And s- You've got to sell that shit. And speaking of Prince, he wasn't just a mercenary, but he was the captain of his own mercenary company. So, Fa- uh, so again, this is literally ye old-timey Blackwater. And so four years of mercenary work go by, and now he's picking up a contract fighting for the Duke of Bavaria. Yep, nope, that sounds right. I mean, we all love our Bavarian dukes. I'll just say it. They, we do all the... I was trying to think of one Bavarian reference, and I, I, I can't. I just have a vague recollection of Lederhosen. Now, in 1504, the Duke of Bavaria sent him to defend Landshut from siege. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. The besieging army like sent him and his band of him and his band of ragtag mercenary boys. Now they they besieging army sent an emissary out to negotiate the city's surrender, and Gotts, being the captain of the mercenary group defending it, 
uh, came out and delivered his terms, uh, to which he just said, uh, well, well, he delivered the first formal occurrence of the phrase, kiss my ass. Oh, good. Like, oh, good. Like, I'm not, that's not an exact, that's not a goof. He actually, I think, spawned that line. I believe in in the original German, it was, then he can lick my ass or something like that. So, uh, diplomacy so, isn't really his so big Monty deal. Python, Monty Python lied to me. It's not the, the French and the... I Correct. Wag my finger at you Correct. style. It's a German telling you to okay. kiss his ass. That's That does seem very Prussian. Yeah, it kind of fits, doesn't it? So fighting begins, naturally. Yep. <laughs> that Those those great talks didn't end the fight. No, no. The, the, uh, as they would say, and this may be the genesis of that, Dems fighting words. Now, the siege army fired a cannon blast that didn't just strike Gotts. But it forced his sword arm so hard that it cleaved his other arm off. Oh, f- that's like a botch. That's like a, a fan fumble botched failed roll in D&D. Like you rolled it, a natural one. <laughs> bad things are going to happen. It, it's a horrible misfire. And I think maybe calling it his sword arm forcing his other arm. That might be a bit of bad verbiage. Um, he was holding his sword in the other arm. Bearing in mind he was right handed. And I believe the sword was blown to bits and the shrapnel cut off his right arm from the elbow. So he still got some arm. He's still got a stump. He's still got some arm. Yeah, he's still got about half the arm, I'd say. Maybe at least 40% of it. Um, And I feel like, by the way, while we're at it, just this is an angle, uh, JJ, that you can take for Star Wars. We've had a lot of people dismembering each other. Not enough people dismembering themselves. Just think we can revolutionize the game a bit. Yes, this is very much the, uh, the, the, oh God, I played with fireworks and now I've blown my own hand off. Woe is me. And like for, a, for ye old timey fop boy. And like I said, he's, he's right handed and he's a sword man, so it's over, right? He's done. No, no, I've seen Game of Thrones. They make you a fake hand and then you learn to be a left handed man. That's fair. Uh, and if it's Game of Thrones' case, when you try your left hand, it's not very good and you're very sad about it. Also, your sister won't well, fuck I, you I anymore and it's a, really I didn't sad. Say I, I didn't say I saw a lot of Game of Thrones. I just... I ap- Nathan, awesome. I appreciate the olive branch you've submitted to me. I appreciate it. <laughs> I know you're trying. That, every, every little bit counts. First, of course, he survives the brutal wound. And after avoiding deathly infection, like a pro magic player avoiding a shower, uh, Galtz manages to... Hey, now! ...reach the... Am I wrong? Am Shots I, fired, Am bitch. I wrong? I will come at you like a spider monkey. They smell terrible, those tournaments. So That is a generalization. Okay, yes. On the whole, on the aggregate. Mm-hmm. But, like, Brian Kibler seems like a fresh-smelling gentleman. I'm sure he is. But if there's one thing magic and melee have in common that isn't the letter M, fuck those players as smelly. God damn. God damn. I feel like we need, like, the metal detector people should just be, replace the metal detectors. Wave axe cans at people. Febreze them. They were definitely, I mean, I was at the biggest, like, video game tournament of the year in in Vegas when I was there. Not not by, like, on purpose. Like, it was completely by accident. They were just in my hotel. And uh, you could definitely, you could definitely, like, sense them coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like a plague waft. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So Goth goes to the master engineers and blacksmiths um, and commissions a new hand made entirely of iron. Ah! 
<laughs> steampunk. Yeah. He's steam. We are literally steampunking this man at hand. This is like 1500 something. And when you say steampunk, you don't know how right you are. Because this hand is not just like a fixed mannequin hand. It's not, it's not iron poured into a hand shape. It's an actual prosthetic hand with spring-loaded fingers that could lock and be manipulated. It could play cards. It could rein a horse. And you bet your German ass it could hold a sword. What? Now, what What year is this? This is like the, the late 1400s? Early 1500s, more about. Why does this sound more competent than, like, most prosthetic limbs I, like all that I've seen now? Like, Buster Bluth didn't get this good of a prosthetic limb. I know. And he's a war hero. It's, it's bonkers. This is, like, the most sophisticated, earliest occurring prosthetic hand. He's gone from, like... This sounds like Luke's hand from Star Wars. It's close to Big Boss's arm from Metal Gear 5, if we just want to keep naming fake hands. I mean, let's keep going through fake hands in pop culture. It's better than Captain Hook's hook. We'll just put that out it's, there. I mean, imminently more functional. Yeah. Now, God's not to be deterred. Uh, saddles up and got some fresh steel because his sword was blown in half, uh, much like his arm, and led his mercs back into war. Just a fat that, 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 yeah, no, with your devil hand. Yeah, like Dr. Doom riding into battle. No, yeah, nothing <laughs> terrifying about this. Like half the roster of Overwatch, Metal Hand McGee. He won battles across medieval Germany and pretty soon started to have a change of perspective. Now, born amongst the nobles, nobody knew greed better than Gotts, but maybe something <laughs> about life as a soldier changed that. Maybe. I mean, what uh, we, I mean, if there's one thing I know, it's that military service definitely makes you more liberal most of the time. What we what right? we know for sure is that his mercenary company started picking fights more with nobles themselves. See, some I mean, wanted got money. Some people wanted to place this in like a Robin Hood context, but I don't see much evidence of that really. Like, I don't really see him giving it back to the poor. Um, it's more like he's just <laughs> really mad at the rich. <laughs> it's more just steal from the rich. And keep it because fuck the rich. Because no, I could absolutely get behind that. <laughs> and when when one noble house pissed him off, uh, he raided one of their merchant trains, and <laughs> he was placed under imperial ban, uh, but paid a massive amount of fourteen thousand gold to remove it. Jesus. So he's back in Germany. He loves Germany that much. He's not going to stay out of Germany. Um. Well, I mean, no. His name's like Golf. I mean, he's as German as it gets. Uh, so old Gots of the Iron Hand uh, returns to Germany and uh, almost immediately uh, captures Philip IV, Count of Waldeck. <laughs> <laughs> Just caught him prancing by and thought, mm, I'm a take, I'm a take. He holds him for a ransom of about eight and a half thousand gold. That, I, 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 there's just no context for any of this money. D d yes. <laughs> sure, sure. All I know is he, he paid half that to come back or twice that to come back. And summarily, after Waldeck was returned, um, he was placed under yet another Imperial ban. I don't know what the fuck he was expecting. So let's um jump ahead because he kind of keeps doing this whole teenage angst shit for like 15 more years, just on and off again, getting banned and paying it off, capturing rich people, stealing from them. And then in 1525... I mean, you, say, you say angsty teenage stuff. This is also very much like... Uh, like, like in Skyrim, where I get, like, kidnapped, like, oh, no, the guards are here. Well, here's your money, or take me to jail. <laughs> so, 1525 rolls around, 
and he tries his hand at actual rebellion uh, because he joins the peasant rebellion, which you can probably guess was a big old eat the rich revolution. Hey, I can get behind those. We can all get behind that. So Gotts, uh, having the time of his fucking life, joins the front lines and hacks the fuck out of rich boys left and right. You know, big iron hand. <laughs> With a sword in it. I mean, yeah, again, Dr. Doom just wielding his halberd. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, but like most peasant rebellions, uh, the peasants were massacred and Gotz was captured. Being a, <laughs> no. being a rich boy himself, the emperor gave him a chance to explain himself. And Gotz said, uh, oh, the poor people made me do it. Oh, oh no, don't. Do, oh, no, come on, man. No, don't do that. And they bought it. Gotz was fined. Uh, and then he just, he was allowed to retire to his castle and lived out the rest of his days in peace. That sounds pretty boring. Yeah, that's because it's wrong. He got bored. And when the Turks <laughs> invaded about 30 years later, the grisly old bored Gots, uh got back on his horse, put on his third iron arm of his lifetime, uh, and threw the Turks straight out of Europe. What? kind of necromancer does he have building these things? <laughs> a like, dwarf. What sort of time-traveling wizard? Seriously! Seriously! An actual this dwarf. Is some du- this, uh, back to Skyrim, this is some Dwemer shit, and I don't get where it's coming from. So after 50 fucking years of fighting throughout his lifetime, he actually hung up the sword for good. He went on to write his own autobiography, uh, How I Don't Fucking Know. I mean, like, swords are a bit easier with a fake arm. I mean, you can still hack and I swing your way. The manual dexterity is probably not this thing's, like, high point. Yeah, no, yeah, it's like, writing is very much in the wrist. If you're able to write with the shoulder, uh, not not going well, I don't imagine. No! So he dies on July 23rd, 1562, and leaves behind quite the legacy. Uh, Mozart wrote a canon about him. Which almost seems mean if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely rubbing salt in the proverbial wound. Uh, Geth, is that how you say it? G O E T H E? Oh, are you asking me for pronunciation? No, absolutely not. No, Goth, Geth, Garth, Garth, I don't know, fuck it. So Geth writes a play about him uh, about 200 years after his death, and 300 years later, we're still talking about it. I mean, that play is actually still in production. I think it's called Galtz of the Iron Hand or something like that, Galtz Berlickingen. Wait, did Geith, did Geith, isn't that the guy that wrote Faust? Isn't that the guy that, like, has our namesake? Mm, fuck, I don't remember. I don't think so. I, uh, I want to say it might be. We'll just say it might be. Uh, we'll say it might be. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Cock and Bull Podcast. We thank you for listening to it. We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy making it. <laughs> don't, don't take that by Spencer's enthusiasm for going into the outro, though, because it sounds like we're torturing him. <laughs> Listen, we got to go into a second one, and I promise you, as people remember from a couple days ago, it's not fun. Oh! No, yeah. I don't remember shit. This, that's the great part about uh, about drinking through these sometimes, is you just forget some. Yeah, so um, uh, you can leave a review on iTunes. It always helps. Uh, we appreciate you t- tuning in every week. I don't feel like we have a new review to read. I don't know if there's any mess. Oh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, I, th- I believe yeah. you can. It's facebook.com slash like C- NBPod is like the nice short license plate I made <laughs> of a if URL. You just go to Facebook and type in Cock and Bowl, you're going to see our logo. It's not hard. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, you can use that to submit uh, messages like topic suggestions and all that. You can leave a, a Facebook review if anybody bases their podcast choice on its Facebook star rating. 
Uh, and no. anyway, anyway, you can catch us uh, every Wednesday except for the days you can't. We love you. Thank you. Bye bye. I'm not